24, you'll notice that little subheading at the top that Jesus is at the house of a uh, prominent Pharisee. He's there to eat with them. Uh, And when he, that is Jesus, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited, invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Thanks, Carl. Let's pray before we think about those words. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for your grace uh, to us in Jesus that uh, he told uh, these parables, these stories, uh, to teach us truths about who you are and how we can relate with you and Lord we ask that you would teach us those truths this morning that you would uh, pierce our hearts by them uh, that you would lower our defenses uh, and speak right into our very hearts Lord we ask that as I speak uh, that by your Holy Spirit it would be as though you are speaking directly to each one of us Lord we pray it for Jesus sake Amen As Jacob said we're beginning a, uh, a series uh, 
of uh, looking at Jesus' parables uh, over the next few weeks. We'll be looking at some of the parables that we find in Luke's Gospel. Uh, and a parable, as Jesus, uh, as Jesus, as Jacob said, uh, is basically a kind of a story. Uh, it's a story with a deeper message. It's a kind of an illustration. Uh, an illustration uh, is, is uh, a story that is supposed to teach you about something else. Uh, it's not just a story for its own sake, but it's a story that's supposed to sort of open up uh, to you a deeper reality and a deeper truth. And that's really what Jesus' parables are as well. Uh, they're these stories that are designed to teach us deeper things. Uh, and they have a way often of getting in underneath our defences. They have a way of exposing the, the things that live deep in our hearts. Uh, and so over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these stories, these parables of Jesus, uh, and having our hearts exposed uh, by God's grace uh, to see the sin that lives in it, but, but also to understand the grace of God in the Lord Jesus. And the passage that we're looking at today actually has really three parables uh, in the context of two banquets. There's the actual banquet, the real one that Jesus is invited to. He's invited to the house of a religious leader. There's that banquet. Uh, and there Jesus tells two parables. Uh, and then in the, the second banquet is a parable in itself. And it's, it's an imaginary banquet about this great man who puts on his own uh, feast. As I said before, in the Bible, salvation is often pictured as a great banquet. God is putting on a feast. He's putting on uh, this great banquet for us. And uh, the, the great um, blessing is to be invited to eat with God, to be invited to someone's house, to share a meal with them, to sit down at the table with them is one of the, the most intimate and precious things that can, you can ever experience. To be brought into somebody's home, particularly if that person is so much uh, more important than you, uh, so much more sort of wonderful than you, to be invited into their house, uh, to sit at their table, to eat with them, uh, is one of uh, the greatest and the most precious things that, that we can ever experience. And so to be invited uh, to the table of the God of heaven and earth who made everything, to be invited to sit down with him and to eat with him and to share the same food as him, to, to share conversation with him, that is the, one of the greatest blessings. It is the, the greatest blessing uh, that we can experience. And that's really what these three banquet parables uh, are really about. How do we get access to that banquet with God? Uh, how do we make sure that we have a place there? That's what Jesus wants you and I to know with these three parables. So Jesus tells these parables, as I said, in the context of himself being invited to somebody's banquet. Uh, we're told in verse 1 of chapter 14 that Jesus was invited to the house of a prominent Pharisee. And as he's eating there at this uh, banquet, he notices something that troubles him. And what troubles him is that the guests are all kind of shuffling around, trying to work their way to the most important place at the table. Uh, in the first century world, eating was a lot about status. 
Uh, it was about reputation. It was about uh, showing what status you had to those around you. And the people at this banquet with Jesus want, want others to see how important they are. You know, they've got the most important place and they want others to know that. But Jesus says to them, he says, be careful because your seat at the banquet might not be quite as important as you think. Your seat might not be the seat that you, uh, that you think that you have. Uh, you might turn up at the banquet, plonk yourself down in one of the best seats, only to be told later on that that's not your place at all. I remember when I was growing up, I don't know if people still do this today, but when I was growing up, my dad always sat at the head of the table. Uh, there was a head and there was a foot. You wouldn't know it just by looking at the table. You had to live there to know which was the head and which was the foot. But dad always sat at the head of the table. And sometimes, you know, as kids, I remember saying, can I sit at the head of the table tonight? It'd be like, oh no, the head of the table is your father's spot. Sometimes, on very special occasions, uh, you'd be, you know, I'd be allowed, or one of us would be allowed to sit there. Usually, when Dad uh, was away. Uh, but <laughs> Mum never had, Mum never wanted that seat. Uh, uh, but that, that, that's the kind of thing that is here. You know, uh, you might visit somebody's house, and if you don't know those rules, you might take the the seat at the head of the table and then and then people have to say to you oh, actually maybe that's not that's where somebody else normally sits or uh, when I was growing up too we used to have big family dinners I don't know if you've ever had this and there's not enough space at the main table for everybody you know there's the normal family table and then there's the kids table you know what I mean? It's, it's pulled out of the garage. It's, you have, uh, it hasn't been used for about 20 years. One of the legs is falling off. Uh, you know, every time you try and cut through the sausage or the steak or whatever, the whole table shakes. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and sometimes as kids, you, you're invited to the family thing and you think, I'll oh, take the seat at the proper table, at the adult table, you know? Uh, and then the time, the time comes when there's not enough seats for the adults and you're told, no, unfortunately, you have to, you have to take the, the place on the rickety table, uh, on the kids' table. Jesus is saying that's, that's what uh, is going on here. These people, they, they want the place of honour. They want, they want to be at the adult table and they want everyone to know uh, that they're at the adult table, not at the kids' table. But Jesus says, you might take that spot. You might think, this is where I belong. I belong at the head of the table. I belong with the honour and the status and the glory. And then only find out later on that that's not the case. But Jesus isn't talking about, you know, how you and I act at family dinner or how we act at big family uh, birthday parties. Jesus, uh, Luke describes this as a, as a parable, which means that this story has a deeper meaning. Jesus isn't just talking about what you do when you have dinner together. You don't, for instance, if you know the parable of the sower, you don't read the parable of the sower and come away from that and think, now I know the secret to being a productive gardener. I've got to, I've got to avoid the path, you know, and I've got to plant the seed in good soil. You come away from the parable of the, of the sower thinking, okay, now I understand something about how the word of God goes out and how people respond to that. And it's the same here. Jesus is not talking about what we do at our dinner parties. He's talking about how we relate to God. 
He's saying that the way that these religious leaders deal with each other, looking for the most important place, thinking that they have the most important place, he's saying that the way those religious leaders act is symptomatic of how they deal with God, how they think about uh, the relationship with God. That is, they think that they have the place of honour in their relationship with God. They think that they have a place at the big table, the adult's table, God's table. And Jesus is saying to them, maybe, maybe you don't. You come in, you think you get a place at that table, that table with God, but Jesus says the terrifying truth is that you might discover that you don't belong at all. And when Jesus says that they might be shamed and that they might have to move down to a lower place, he's not saying that you get in to the table of God and then but you just get a bad place. He's talking about salvation versus judgment. People who think they've got a place at the, at the salvation table of God, but who've actually missed out. The people, Jesus says, who have a place at God's banquet table are not the proud who think, yep, I belong there. That's my spot. The people who, who have an invitation, a place at God's banquet table, are the humble. Jesus says uh, it's those who come without anything, without any claim, without any expectation, without any hint of uh, self-assurance, those people who have a place at the table of God. He says those who exalt themselves will be humbled, those who humble themselves will be exalted. So imagine then that Jesus was to return today, uh, right now, uh, and he comes and a great table is spread. Uh, and Jesus uh, asks you, you know, where will you sit? What would you say? You might say, well, Jesus, I know that I haven't been perfect, but who is? You know, it's a human condition, isn't it? We all make mistakes, but I've tried to live a good life, and... I think for the most part I've been pretty kind. When I haven't been kind, I've apologised to people. Uh, I've, I've been generous to others, not always, but I've tried to be really generous. Uh, I probably don't deserve a place right at the top. But, you know, at least in the middle or the upper lower section or something like that. Jesus says if that's your answer, then you don't have a place at the table. Those people will be subject to shame, to everlasting judgment. So who has a place? If those people don't have a place, if the people who've like lived pretty good lives don't have a place, who has a place? Jesus says it's those who humble themselves, those who say, Jesus, I don't deserve a place at this table. Uh, there are others who should be there instead of me. What have I ever done? Everything that I've ever done has just been a mess. I don't deserve anything. Jesus says it's those people who have a place at his table, not the proud, but the humble. To eat with Jesus at his table means we have to enter through a very low door by which we have to stoop 
and crawl through. We have to humble ourselves in order to eat with Jesus. There's a great story in one of the Gospels where a woman comes to Jesus and does just that. She comes to him and says, Jesus, you've got to heal my daughter. She's a Canaanite woman. She's one of the outcasts of society. She comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, you've got to heal my daughter. And Jesus says, why would I do that? And his woman says to Jesus, Jesus says, yet only the children get a place at the table. Only those who belong get to eat there. And this woman says to Jesus, yes, but even the dogs get to eat the scraps. Just give me a, just give me a scrap. Just give me a crumb. I don't deserve anything. Just give me a crumb. Those are the people, Jesus says, who have a place at his table. So first of all, Jesus says, be careful where you sit. Don't be proud. Humble yourself before God. Second, he says, be careful who you invite. In... Uh, the first, that first little parable, Jesus was speaking to the guests, but now he turns his attention to the host, to the man who's holding this party. And he says to him, when you hold a party, don't just invite your family and friends or your rich neighbours. Why is that? Because if you do, they'll just pay you back. Uh, you know, they'll just return the favour. They'll invite you back over again. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, that is pretty much anyone who is disadvantaged. Do that, Jesus says, and you'll be blessed by God. The people who you invite won't be able to repay you, but God himself will be able to repay you at the resurrection. Now again, Jesus is not talking about salvation by hospitality. He's not saying that the way that we... Uh, get a place at God's table is by opening our homes to uh, all the outcasts in society only and never inviting friends and family. He's not saying that. Uh, he's saying that those who belong to God live lives that are shaped by the character and the values of God. We've already seen that God is a God who lifts up the humble, who lifts up the lowly. Uh, and so God is calling his people to have that, sh that same character, to share the same kind of values, the same shape as, uh, of character as God has. Jesus says, don't invite your friends and family. And in the, in the next section, in verse 25 and 26, he says that that's true not only of the dinner table, but that's true of life in general. He says, whoever does not uh, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying that that's the cost. What's the cost uh, of following him, of following Jesus? What's the cost? The cost is giving up those things that are nearest and dearest to us. Jesus offers us an alternative, you see. We can either live for ourselves uh, and live to get back in this life all that we want. We can live for ourselves. We can keep our friends and our family and engage uh, in the relationships that will repay us with the things that we want, this side of eternity. We can live like that. Or we can give up our lives and follow Jesus. We can give up our lives, 
follow Jesus and receive an eternal reward. That choice is ultimately reflected in every small decision that you and I might make. Uh, It will be reflected in what we live for. It will be reflected in whether we give only to our friends or whether we give even to our enemies as well. It will be reflected in, in who we choose to spend our time with. Do we spend our time with the outcasts or do we spend our time with uh, only those who will repay us? Uh, it it uh, will shape our life. When we give up our lives to follow Christ, it will shape the decisions that we make day in and day out. A friend of mine a number of years ago now uh, had a wedding had a wedding? I don't know, whatever you do, you put on a wedding, got married. He got married uh, and uh, they had a reception afterwards, you know, and I remember uh, he was a very close friend and we used to talk a lot uh, about, you know, what we should do and, and so we would talk a lot about what that would look like and I remember we, we thought about this parable uh, and, and he decided that he would invite to his people uh, Uh, He would invite people based on this parable. He he invited, of course, his friends and his family. uh, But he also thought about, who are the people that that I wouldn't normally invite? Uh, How often do we do that? You know, when we throw a party, we we, we just, when we have a wedding, there's only, you know, you can only have 140 people and it's all the friends and family that get in, get, get in. But when we, follow Jesus we give up our lives and that begins to shape the decisions that we make in every day it will shape who we invite to our home it will shape who we invite to our wedding it will shape who we invite to our birthday party it's helpful I think to to look back over the last few months or the last year or the last few years and to think about your priorities, like to think about whether the priorities in the decisions you make are the same as God's priorities. Who is it that you're inviting? Who is it that you're looking out for? Is your heart for the poor as, as God's heart is for the poor? Uh, or is your, part, your heart just for those who can repay you? People who have given up everything to follow Jesus will be people whose decisions in daily life reflect giving up everything and showing the generosity of God. So Jesus says, be careful where you sit. Don't be proud, humble yourself. He says, be careful who you invite. Uh, Give up everything and follow Jesus. Uh, Finally, he says, don't make excuses. So after these first two parables, uh, somebody clearly is getting a little bit awkward uh, and when they hear sort of Jesus uh, talk about the, the great banquet of God, they sort of go, Whoa, what a blessing that will be for us all to be there. <laughs> it's just all oh, just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, and Jesus, instead of kind of lightening the mood, he pushes deeper into these truths. Uh, he, he, he goes on to tell this parable uh, about who will be there and who won't he wants to push into this idea of who will be at this banquet and who won't be in the parable this great man throws a party 
uh, and he sends out his servant to go and to fetch uh, the guests. And as this servant goes out to fetch them, one by one they all say, look, I'm really busy, I can't possibly make it. Uh, One guest has bought some land, he wants to go and check it out, another's bought some oxen and wants to give them a try. Uh, Another guy's just got married and wants to spend time with his wife. And when the servant returns and tells the guy who's throwing the party, look, you know, I went and asked, but uh, everyone else was busy, he's furious. Uh, He's furious that the people have rejected his invitation uh, after having said first that they would come. Uh, And so the master sends his servant out to invite anyone who will come. He tells him to go out into the streets, you know, wherever you can go, basically, uh, and find people to come to the party. And the servant says, well, I've actually already done that and there's still space. Well, you know, we'll go out and go even further into the highways and byways and invite people to this feast of mine. But uh, the master says, the host says, for those who have stood him up, for those who've uh, not come and accepted his invitation, he has no compassion. He says they'll never get any uh, of his banquets. It's a really hard message, uh, this one I think from Jesus. Uh, It's a hard message because again he's talking about who will participate and who won't participate. Uh, in God's salvation banquet. I think it's important to realise too that the excuses that these people give are not bad excuses. The excuses that these people give are not bad excuses. In fact, they are, they are the basic necessities of life. Uh, property, work and family. They're the three reasons that people give for not accepting the invitation. The problem is not the quality of the excuse. The problem is that they put those things ahead of coming to the banquet. Uh, In the first century world, you're always invited twice. Uh, I think, typically speaking, you know, we still are a bit too. We do it for church activities all the time. Save the date, you know, a couple of months out, save the date. Uh, And you would say, yep, I'm coming. I'm coming on November the 20th. But then on the day of the banquet, you'd go out again. You'd send your servant out again and say, all right, the day's come, now, now, now come along. So all these people who had been invited had already said, I am keen to come to this banquet. Would you like to come on the 20th of November? I'll be there. But the day comes and all of a sudden they say, you know what? I just want to check out the land. I just want to to test out my new tractor. I want to spend time with my family. These people were people who were interested in in coming to the banquet. They'd said they were going. But when it came to the crunch, there were other things that they put in higher place than receiving God's invitation. If you're here today, which you are here today, if you're here today, then that means that you're interested at some level, right? You're interested in receiving God's invitation. And you may have even said, God, I'm interested in your invitation. 
And you might have told everybody else, I'm interested in God's invitation. I've accepted God's invitation. But when it comes to the crunch, is that really true? When it comes to the crunch, do you put God's invitation above everything else? Or do you put other things above God's invitation? Maybe it is like the people in this story. It's property or a home. You think to yourself, I'll take up Jesus' offer. I'll really get serious about following Jesus once I've got the house sorted. I just, it, it's only going to be a couple of years, but I'll, just, I'll do it when the house is sorted. I'm interested in coming, just not today. Maybe it's work. You think to yourself, I'll just take up Jesus' offer. I'll just get serious about following Jesus once work gets a bit easier. It's pretty, to lead up to Christmas, it's pretty hectic at the moment. I'll just get serious once the Christmas rush is over. Maybe it's family. Once the kids get older, I'll just get serious about taking up Jesus' invitation. It's just too much at the moment. I can't do it. Maybe it's a relationship. You know, once I've found that person who I can spend the rest of my life with, then I'll get serious about following Jesus. It could be anything. It could be something really stupid. But if it's more important to you than Jesus' invitation, then realize that that means you're not accepting Jesus' invitation, you're actually rejecting it. To say not at the moment is to say no. Is there something that you're holding on to, something that's keeping you from accepting Jesus' invitation? Jesus says you've got to count the cost, not make excuses, give up everything and follow him. You've been invited, God is inviting you now. What will you do? Jesus says drop everything and join the banquet. What does it take to be at Jesus' banquet? It takes humility rather than pride. It takes mercy rather than a transaction with God. It takes giving up everything to follow Jesus, to take up God's invitation and to trust in him. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for the great offer of the gospel, the great offer of the good news in Jesus that you desire and indeed invite us into a relationship with you uh, which is so intimate, which is so close that you invite us to sit at your table, to eat with you, to share the same food as you share, to engage in conversation with you, our great God and maker. Uh, Lord, it is just beyond our imagining uh, how you could uh, invite us into that kind of relationship to be your children, eating at your dinner table uh, day after day, uh, night after night, year after year. And Lord, we pray that having heard that invitation again this morning, that you would enable us to receive it, that you would enable us to humble ourselves, to acknowledge that we don't deserve a place at your table, 
uh, to trust in your goodness. Uh, Lord, help us not to, uh, uh, not to make excuses, uh, but to give up everything, all that's dear to us, uh, to give those things up, to follow Jesus, to take up our cross uh, and put our trust in him. Lord, we ask that you help us to do that, whether it's for the first time today uh, or re- whether it's for the 10,000th time. Lord, help us to take up our cross today and follow Jesus. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen.